Well, everybody, welcome back for another week of Scriptures Revealed, and we are continuing our journey in the book of Ephesians. I hope you guys have had a great week. I hope you've been uh, studying the word, meditating on that word, allowing the word of God to change and transform your life. Uh, uh, as a bit of encouragement this week on the power and the potency of the word is that the Bible says that the word will be a light to our path. It will bring light to our journey, and a lot of times when you you need clarity when you are uh, feel like you are surrounded by confusion and surrounded by the lack of answers. The Bible says that the word of the Lord will light your path. It will enlighten it. It will show you what your next step is. And so if you ever feel hung up, if you ever feel stifled, if you ever feel like you don't know where to turn or where to go, the always, always the answer for you is to turn to the word of the Lord. It will give you the necessary light to make that a God move. Every move is not a God move. Some moves are good moves. Some moves are bad moves. Some moves are just not wise at all. But everybody needs to be making God moves. God has called you today to make a God move because at the other end of that God move is the blessing, is the prosperity, is the wisdom, is the clarity you need. And how you make a God move is that you allow the word of God to light your path. So let it do that this week. Let the the word of God. Get in that word because you're looking for light. You're looking for your next step. You're looking for clarity and you're looking for the word of the Lord to illuminate where you are headed next. God is calling you to the next and he's going to use his word to do it. So be encouraged about that. Uh, also, thank you all for joining me every week. I am so honored. I am so delighted. I am so privileged. I'm telling you, one of the greatest joys of my life is to teach the word of God, because I believe that if you can teach the word to people to the point that they understand it, it makes it easier for people to live it. Now, granted, living the word is a decision. It is you have to decide to obey God. And so I cannot take away your decision making ability. But what I can do is under the anointing of God, bring you to a place of understanding and clarity that makes it easy to obey. Obey. And a lot of times it's hard to obey when you don't understand, when you don't get the why, when you don't know what God is really asking of you. And so it is my heart's desire to seek clarity out of the word of God, to release that clarity to others so that we all can walk in obedience to the word because the word has the power to change and transform your life. I know you say, Ricky, you say that every week and I really do because I'm telling you, this is what I encourage myself with every Every single day because I want to be changed. I don't care how much growth I've experienced. I don't care what I feel like I have conquered and overcome. I know that the word of God still has areas in my life to work on. And I know that there is still a higher level of transformation, a higher level of growth that God wants to get out of me. He wants me changed. He wants me transformed. And until people are looking at me and watching me and modeling after me, because I look like the man God Jesus Christ then until that is happening there is still areas for me to grow in still areas for me to be transformed and the word of the Lord can do that I love the word because I can look at myself and know that I can be changed 
I want you to look at yourself today. Look at yourself every day, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, and encourage yourself about the fact you can be changed. You can be transformed. You can break out of that and live broken free out of that. You can conquer that and live as the victor over that. You can move in triumphant ability and power through the power of the word of God. The word of God can change change you. You are not a hard case for the word. That's why the Bible says that the word of God has been tried. It's been tested. It's been proven. It, it, that's why the word of the Lord has forever been settled in heaven. And I'm telling you, if the word can survive heaven, it can survive you. <laughs> I mean, because the, the heaven has had wars. Heaven has had crime. Heaven has had to apply the blood on its instruments to, to sanctify it again. Heaven has gone through some things and it's been tried. It's been tried. It's been proven. So the word of the Lord, God is not testing his word out on you. He wants to show you I have a proven instrument of transformation and it is called my word. And so I'm encouraging you stay in there. Stay in the word. Let the word be your life source. You're going to need it every single day. Every day you're going to need the word of the Lord because that is your life source. It is your transformative agent. It is forming you and fashioning you into the very image of Christ. You look different today than you did yesterday if you gave time to the word. It's it's inevitable. It is going to happen. The word of God changes people. So I thank all of you for joining me on this journey, for walking through the word with me and allowing the word to do its work. I want to also announce everybody uh, if you were following me on social media if you paid attention to my little announcement last week I have a brand new book that is available now for pre-order called unsearchable and what it is it is my volume one on my insights my revelations my knowledge my understandings on the book of Ephesians so if you have enjoyed these podcasts I am confident that you are going to enjoy this first volume on Ephesians that is being released I'm there are things in it that I did not teach on the podcast uh, so you're going to be delighted about it I, I want you to go out to unsearchablethebook.com and pre-order your copy today unsearchable the book dot com and I am excited to get that out into your uh, to you guys hands a lot of you have enjoyed the podcast and wanted a little bit more insight and uh, wanted it and uh, even the principles that I taught you wanted them to be able to highlight them and have the notes and, and everything that I've been teaching I'm telling you I have put it all together for you so all of it is in the book extra stuff is in the book you're going to be d- delighted uh, please go to that uh, site you this is a tool you need you want because again the word of God God has the power to change you. And I'm selling this book not for the sole purpose of trying to make money. I'm selling the book because I believe in the transformative power of the word. And I believe that anybody who will read this book, digest this book, meditate on the book, apply the book to their lives, I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to be transformed by the word of the Lord. Not because it's me, but because it's the word of God. And that is what I want. I want people's lives to be transformed and to exemplify the power of the word. All right. So those are my announcements and encouragements for you this week. Go forth and be transformed and be change agents in the earth. Now let's jump into the book of Ephesians. Now we are in chapter four. 
And uh, we are going through chapter 4 now. We've gone through the first three chapters of Ephesians. Last week I shared with you that when you're reading an epistle written by the Apostle Paul, it is always split into two huge divisions. You're going to always have the first part of his book is always going to be doctrine. It's always going to be revelation. It's always going to be principle. But when you get to the latter part of the book, you're going to switch to learning the practical side of his revelation. That all revelation without uh, practicality to it is just information that puffs up. That's what happens when all you have is revelation, but you have no application, then you're going to end up in spiritual pride. You're going to end up living corrupted like the Pharisees. That's how they ended up in their own traditions. That's how they, how they ended up in legalism. That's how they ended up in just just dead religion was because they had information. They had old revelation. They had knowledge of the word, but they did not have the proper application. And when you do not apply the word, the Bible says what you end up in is self-deception. Self, You are self-deceived if you have a whole lot of revelation, a whole lot of knowledge, a whole lot of information, and not application in your life. It doesn't matter that you understand pride and the spirit of pride and how pride operates and the, and the king of pride and the kingdom of pride and understanding that there are kings and princes and soldiers and an army all in that one kingdom called pride. It doesn't matter that you understand that if you do not apply that to your life because if you don't apply it, it, you are not safeguarded against that kingdom. See, applying revelation safeguards your life from the enemy. Remember, the Bible says that the, that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, the thief is always on the attack mode of trying to take something from you, which is why you get in the word. You get in the word of God because the, when you learn the word and apply the word, it's like having a security system on your life. It it puts a security system on your mind so that the enemy can't steal your peace. He can't steal your joy. He can't steal your prosperity. He can't steal your healing. Why? Because when you hear the word and you apply the word, when the enemy shows up to steal the word, your alarms go off. That uh, that security system goes off because you not only heard it, but you applied it. See, when you hear the word about prosperity, about healing, about deliverance, about victory, but you do not apply it, then when the enemy shows up, he's always going to be able to effectively steal from you. And when the enemy can steal from you with, and all you have is head knowledge, it's going to send you into a state of not understanding why you're not walking in victory. God said that by him strikes I'm healed, then why am I not healed? God said that he has translated me out of the kingdom of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of his dear son, then why is darkness still conquering over me. You're going to always end up in that position when you know the word, but don't do the word. When you know it, but don't do it, you're going to end up in self-deception because it's going to make your life look like the word doesn't work. I'm telling you, when when your life looks like the word does not work, it's because somewhere you've heard the word, you know the word, but you are not doing it. Because when you do the word, the word doesn't fail. See, you've got to decide that the word of the Lord does not 
fail. So that's what Paul goes into. He gives revelation and then he gives application so that the word of God is effective in our lives. So that is what we're moving into when we move into the final chapters of Ephesians. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 is all about application. Now granted, there's still going to be revelation. There's still going to be some doctrinal things. There's still going to be some information given, but the heartbeat of it is learning how to practically apply the word you have been taught. So Paul has preached to us. He has teached to us the gospel. He has teached us the kingdom. He's taught us about the nation of Jesus Christ. He's given us all this revelation. So now he wants us to begin to live it out. So he's talking about the unity of the church. He's talking about the the body of believers being unified and working together. And so that is what we're going to unfold today. Paul gives us seven things seven things of of unity for the church of Jesus Christ is that we have to be together in unity. We have to be together in unity because we are all one. And that is what Paul is trying to show us is that we are all one. And that's important to get. Now, the emphasis here is that when you go into this study of understanding that one, Paul narrows everything down to seven ones. It's just seven ones. I love that number seven. Seven means completeness. It means fullness. When you go over to the book of Proverbs chapter nine, there's a verse in there that says wisdom builds her house and she builds her house with seven pillars. And we learn in the book of first Corinthians that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God personified. That if you put the wisdom of God, if you make the wisdom of God a person, you're going to get Jesus. <laughs> I love that. When you make the wisdom of God a person, you're going to get Jesus. And so when you go back over to Proverbs and you're learning how to gain wisdom and Proverbs is about wisdom, then Proverbs is really about Jesus. Christ. Jesus shows up in every book of the Bible. But Proverbs is really about Jesus. It's about how Jesus thinks. It's about how Jesus operates. So when you read Proverbs and study Proverbs and then you read the Gospels, you're going to naturally begin to see those Proverbs show up in how Jesus treated people, how Jesus interacted with people, how Jesus addressed uh, taxes, how Jesus addressed uh, family issues, how he dealt. You're going to see his logic and his thoughts are hidden and invested as a mystery in the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs teaches us how Jesus thinks. <laughs> so anyway, you get to Proverbs chapter 9 and then you get wisdom building her house, seven pillars. And so wisdom here is Jesus building a house on seven pillars. Remember, we learned in Ephesians that we are of the household of God. We learned that Jesus went to prepare a place for us in his father's house. In his father's house. How has he built this house? We're about to learn the seven pillars he built his house on. They're one, but but seven, I love God. I love him. I love him because he's just hes just brilliant in the way that he does things. And so we are getting ready to unfold the seven pillars of Jesus' house. We make up the household of God and why we are one. So the issue going back to you again is that Jesus wants us all to function together. He wants to do away with all of these distinctions, all of these separations, because that was never a part of God's original intent. God never wanted us to be have one group over here that that is uh Christian, but you this type of Christian and you're that type of Christian and you're over and no, he said you are one body. He never wanted us to be hung up on male and female. He never wanted us to be hung up on Jew or Gentile. He never wanted us to be hung up on circumcised or uncircumcised. He just wants us to understand that it's all about being a new creation because his intent is to take us back to his original intent in the garden. 
You say, what does that mean? Let me briefly give that to you. And then we're going to unlock these seven things. Going back over in the book of Genesis, I don't have time to walk you there. So I'm going to give you these scriptures and you can walk them out and study them this week. When you go over to the book of Genesis chapter one, God says that he wants to create mankind in his image. He says, I want to create mankind in my image and I want them to be after my likeness and I want them to have dominion and I want them to subdue. In chapter one, God is talking to the mankind. He is not talking to Adam, the man. He's not just talking to Eve, the woman. He's talking to them both. He's talking to the mankind. That's why the Bible says that he he wants them in his image, after his likeness, to have dominion, the male and the female. Watch this. God is giving all of these instructions. This is going to be important for where we're headed. God has given all of these instructions to them in chapter 1, but he does not give them a body until chapter 2. Neither one of them, neither one of them gets a body into chapter two, but in chapter one, he gives them their blessing, their assignment, their purpose, their destiny, who they are. They are created in the image and the likeness of God. So they are created in the image and the likeness of God in chapter one, but they don't get a body into chapter two. So who is God talking to? We learn in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that God is the father of spirits. So in chapter one, He is talking to the spirit of mankind. He is given the spirit of man dominion. He's given the spirit of man is created in his likeness. The spirit of man is created after the image of God. The spirit of man has a purpose and a destiny. Everything that God gives, he gives to the part of man that he fathers. (laughs) He is the father of spirits. So when God says he's given you the victory, the first place you need to Check is who is he father of? He's father of the spirit. So you got to check your spirit man. If he's giving you the victory, he's giving it to the spirit. If he's giving you healing, he's giving it to the spirit. What we have to learn to do is what Paul told us in, in Thessalonians or Philippians is to work out our own salvation. Salvation he gave to the spirit of man. That's why we are born again in our spirits. But we've got to learn how to work outwardly what God has worked inwardly. All right. So he gives all of that to mankind in chapter one. He then goes into chapter two and then breathes the breath of life into them and then give them a body. Why? Because purpose and destiny has nothing to do with your body. It has your body is just your house. We've talked about it before. We are three parts. You are spirit. You have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and you live inside of a body. When somebody looks at you, they're really not looking at you. They're looking at the house you live in. You you are not your body. That's why God doesn't care if you're black or if you're white. God doesn't care if you're Asian or you're uh, Japanese. He doesn't care if you're male or female because God has never called a male or female. God has never called a Jew or a Gentile. God has never called a, a black man or a white man. What God calls are the spirit. He calls the spirit of man. So to have theological arguments over whether or not can you, whether or not God can use a woman, we would have to go back to the bottom line is, who does God call? Does God call the body or does God call the spirit? And he calls the spirit. So yes, God can call a man. Yes, God can call a woman. Yes, and in some uh instances, God can call a, a donkey. He could use whatever he wants to use because God's not calling bodies. All right. So watch this, which is why when we get over to the book of Ephesians, 
Paul is trying to bring us back into unity. He's trying to show us these differences are not really differences. They do not matter. We've got to understand that we've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We've got to keep unity in the family. And so Paul does away with all of these divisions so that we can walk together in unity. All right. So let's go through these seven things. Uh, we let's pick up in verse three and chapter four of Ephesians endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. All right. There is one body. Let's work this pillar. Number one and understanding and in keeping unity in the family and understanding that it's all about just one. <laughs> he's uh, he's bringing everything down to just one to just one. one. Number one is there is one body. We are are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we all have to come into agreement with that. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Methodist. I don't care if you're Pentecostal. All of these differences mean nothing. At the end of the day, we are all the body of Christ. We are all the body of Christ. You yourself, by yourself, on an island by yourself, you're not the body. Neither are you by yourself the church. Neither are you by yourself anything. We all together make up the body of Christ. Paul puts it this way in the book of Corinthians. He says, we ye are the body of Christ, but you're members in particular. So you are a member of, a, of the body. You're not the body. You're not the church. You are a member. You are a member and you've got to learn to all work together because we all make up the body of Christ, which means if Jesus is going to be fully glorified in the earth, if he's going to have full expression in the earth, then we've got to all work together, all work together. It doesn't, uh, uh, fine, you don't want to believe that and you want to do that. Let's all come together on an agreement that we're one body. We're one body called to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. That was number one, one body. Number two is that we're one spirit. There was one body and one spirit. Not that, not that we're one spirit, but that we believe in one spirit of God. There is one spirit. Now he expresses himself with fire. He expresses himself as holy. He expresses himself as wisdom. He expresses himself as the fear of the Lord. He expresses himself as might and power, but it is the same spirit of God. Also an understanding that when we are bringing things together in unity, we got to understand that everybody that's a part of the church, we all believe in one spirit. So if you have one leg of the church that wants to say that, you know, it's okay to speak in tongues, praise God, if we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you have another leg of the church that's saying, well, speaking in tongues is of the devil. That is the most crazy thing you can say because we only have one spirit. <laughs> There's only one spirit of God. So if speaking in tongues is of the devil, then the same Holy Spirit that you're teaching that got us regenerated is also of the devil so then regeneration is of the devil because it's all one spirit so it's one spirit of god if we are part of the church we're not teaching that there's another spirit there's another spirit of god there's another holy spirit out there that you can receive and that you can partake of no it is one spirit because we are one body all right so that was number two with one body one spirit even as you are called in one hope of your calling number three is that we all have one hope we all have one hope as a part of the church of Jesus Christ. We all have one hope. 
What is that hope? We learned over in Ephesians 1, the hope of his calling. What is that hope? Is that Paul shows us in Romans that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. It was the whole reason we needed to be saved. It was the whole reason we needed to be redeemed. is because we had fallen short of the glory of God. And so in Thessalonians, he says, because salvation has come, we now can obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I wasn't a part of the church, when I wasn't a part of the body, I fell short of the glory. Now that I am a part of the church, now that I have been born again, now that I have been regenerated and justified and sanctified and made holy in the presence of God, now that transformation has happened, I now have one hope. I can now obtain the glory of God. And what is glory? Glory is when the nature of God, his perfect nature, his beautiful nature, his illuminating nature is made manifest in the earth. Is when it's manifested, whether it's in the earth or in, when it's manifested in heaven. It's called glory. It's, it's full of light. It's full of brightness. It's full of love. What it is, it is the nature of God expressed. That's the glory of God. When God unveils himself, we call it glory. <laughs> when God discloses himself, we call it glory. That's why healing happens in the glory. Deliverance happens in the glory. Liberation happens in the glory. Prosperity is in the glory. Why? Because glory is God unveiling himself. And now, watch this, the beauty of our salvation and the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ is that we all have been called to have one hope. We have a hope. We have an expectation. We have an anticipation that we are God is going to unveil himself in us. God is going to disclose himself in us that we are going to live in victory, not just so that we can live entitled lives, but it's so that somebody will see God through us because he has unveiled himself in us. That is one hope. That is our hope. Our hope is not heaven. Our hope is not deliverance. Our hope is not healing. No, all of those things are blessings attached to the hope. Our hope is that his glory can be obtained by us, that his glory can be revealed in us, that God will disclose himself in our lives. All right, look at verse five. So we got one body. We got one spirit, one hope. Moving on. We have one Lord. One Lord, if we are a part of the body of Christ, we are all serving one Lord. He gets to call the shots. He is ruling and reigning. He is dominating in our lives. He, because watch this, if the, if he cannot rule you, he will not be able to rule the kingdoms of this world because he's going to rule and reign in the kingdoms of this world through the church. So the church has to realize that we serve one Lord. He is one Lord. He is the authority. He is the final say. He gets to determine what he wants in his house, outside of his house, in his world, and outside of his world. He is one Lord. Next one is one faith. Now, this one faith is not just one, you know, trust or one belief in God, but faith here is a noun. We're talking about the contents of the gospel. You know, we can all disagree on various things, but at the, at the end of the day, Everybody that calls himself a Christian should believe in the gospel and everybody should be preaching the same gospel. Paul said, if anybody comes to you and preaches any other gospel than what I preach, let them be accursed. Let them be damned. Let them be banned. Let them be kicked out because there is only one gospel and the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about his work. The gospel is about his cross. The gospel is about his blood. The gospel is about his redemption. The gospel is about his sanctification. The gospel is about how he justified us. The gospel is about that no matter where you 
been or what you've done or how short you have come. Jesus Christ has come to elevate you and make you a son of God. God has come to make you free. That is the power of the gospel. And we all have one faith. Next one is one baptism. Now, the interesting thing about that is over in Hebrews, the author there says that there is a doctrine of baptisms, plural. So what is this one baptism that Paul is talking about in Ephesians? Is that all baptisms are flowing out of one baptism, singular. So the plural baptisms all come out of a singular baptism. And what is that? We learn in Romans that we all have been baptized into Jesus Christ. We've been baptized into his death. That is the one baptism. You are not a part of the church. You are not a part of the church of Jesus Christ if you do not believe in one baptism. If you do not believe that you have been baptized into Christ and you've been baptized into his death, that you are not entitled to your own life, your own lifestyle, your own culture, your own choices, but now you are a dead man and now you take on the lifestyle of Jesus you take on the culture of Jesus you take on the demands of Jesus you live a life surrendered to him because you were actually dead without him and now he has come to bring you life and so you've been baptized into his death and you've been raised into newness of life it is one baptism and the final pillar here is that one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One of the marvelous truths about the Christian faith is that we serve a sovereign God who is our Father. He's just not our father. That's just some wimpy God that's just so glad to have a few people that believe in him. No, he is a sovereign God who is our father. Our father is a sovereign king. He is ruling. He is reigning. Everything is under his control. He is orchestrating everything. He's been running the world for ages and ages. And as, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that the heavens and earth have genealogies. So this is in the first heaven and this is in the first earth. So this is not his first time of ruling and reigning. He's been doing this professionally since before the beginning of time. He is sovereign. Nothing is outside of his control. He's not working worried about what you're doing. He's not worried about politics. He's not worried about the governments of the world. He's not worried about anybody's crazy decisions. He is a sovereign God. And as crazy as it looks in the world, he's still in control. He's still ruling. He's still reigning. Our God is an almighty, all-powerful God. He is the captain of the armies of God. He has an army of angels. He has an army uh, of nations. Everything is backing him. Everything is supporting him. The Bible says that everything is working together according to his good pleasure. God is ruling and reigning with power and authority. We serve a sovereign God who just happens to be our heavenly father. That is what we believe. And if we believe in just one, (laughs) then we're going to keep the unity of the spirit and we're going to keep unity in the family. And we're going to be a beautiful depiction of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth because we have just one. What are those ones again? We have one body. We believe in one spirit. We believe in one hope. We believe in one Lord. We believe in one faith. We believe in one baptism. And we believe in one sovereign God who is our Father. It is the beauty of Christianity. It is the beauty of the Christian community that we are one. And if we would unite, if we would protect that unity, then we will begin to demonstrate Jesus Christ in the earth. It is time for him to begin to rule and reign and to manifest that dominion in the earth. And he wants to do it through the church, but he can't do it until we get unified, until we stay together and then protect 
what he has put together. <sighs> Alrighty, guys, I am out of time. I tried to rush through that and pack all of that in for you. I hope that encouraged you. Hope that brought enlightenment to you. Hope you have been empowered to be transformed and to walk in victory. Please do not forget to share this podcast so that lives can be changed, not by me, but by the word of God. Share it. Tell people about it. Leave your reviews and the ratings. It's helping. The more reviews and ratings you give me is helping it get out there on the iTunes platform so that it comes across the eyes of more people. More lives can be transformed and changed. Don't forget to check out my website, Unsearchable thebook.com. You want to pre-order that book. It is going to bless your life and it's going to give you the tools you need to be changed and transformed by the word. So don't forget to check that out. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I am honored and privileged to teach and to just share the word with all of you. I am excited. Thank you guys for letting the scriptures be revealed to all of us and watch our lives be transformed. I love each and every one of you. I'll see you guys same place, same time next week. God bless.